Blog Talk Radio. First, there was a dream. Now, there is reality. Who is number one? Africa's reascension is number one. for us to understand how we were recultured and reorganized. We are not uncultured simply because we don't have African culture. You see, we have been what? Recultured and rearranged and restructured. You see, and we must understand in depth how that restructuring took place and how it expresses itself in us and in the way we relate to each other. You see, because it is this reculturation, ultimately, that means we must do what? We must reconstruct. We must tear down. We must remove outside of ourselves. So it's not enough to say what we have been acting as a people. A high African culture, what? Taken away from our people. But we must come to understand how we have been newly created by another people. And how does that new creation, under their power, represent itself? in our personalities and in our social lives, in the way we think, in the way we behave, in the way we perceive the world, in the way we relate to each other and the whole day. Because it's, it's with that understanding that you design an educational curriculum for African children. The way the system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work. And they will lose their control. The white male offspring understood that if we continue to practice our culture, that's when we always overthrew them anytime they invaded our country. Africa's reascension. Yes, yes, yes. Africa's Reascension, and I'm your host, Kamal McCasey Tahuti, and we are back. Folks have been asking for it and wondering what's going on. Well, we're here, so come on through. Let's fill up the call queue, fill up the chat, and let's get it popping. Hetepu, Yimhotep, Indamana, Indamanesh, Nangadef. Majwo, Kedu, Habargani, Salbona, Anisogoma, Kopango, Peace, War, War. Pan-African Greetings family, you've entered Africa's Reascension, and I am your host, Kamal Mukasey Tahuti. We'll start off our show as usual with an apai or libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor.
go. I go. I go. Odumakuman, and Yame, and Yame Wa. Amen, Amenette, Mawulisa, Olorun, Amenbra, Beje and Sa. Asasiya, Abasun, and Sa. Abasun Po, and Sa. Nana. Nana Sergebi and Sa, Nana Esiketswa, Sa, Nana Dada Kofi and Sa, Nana Tigare, Nana Tigare, Nana Tigare and Sa, Nana Sankofa and Sa, Nana Wusi and Sa, Nana Asi and Sa, Nana Ajo and Sa, Nana Ajo and Sa, Nana Bena and Sa, Nana Abena and Sa, Nana Wuku and Sa, Nana Kui and Sa, Nana Yao and Sa, Nana Ya and Sa, Nana Fi and Sa, Nana Afi and Sa, Nana Amenmen and Sa. Nana Amen Miniwa and Sa. Mojuba Shango. Mojuba O Ya. Mojuba O Shun. Mojuba O Goon. Mojuba Alegba. Ancha Herek Chihutu. Ancha Herek Asar. Ancha Herek Aset. Ancha Herek Sekmet. Ancha Herek Herukahuji. Yashrimo Yansa. Yashrimo Ahodun. Yashrimo Anchera. Yashrimo Sikapa. Yashrimo Sikapa. Yashrimo Anquasa. Yeshremo and Kwaso, Abasuo Fao. Yay, and Kwaso. As did you, Odumakuman, and Yame, and Yame Wa, Amen, Amenet, Mawulisa, Olorun, Amen Ra, Katawa Katha. Use me and this form to transmit clear African centered theoretical and practical information so those listening can use it. Excuse me, for their own transformation back into the sovereign Africans they once were. May I speak directly to their sunsun, their spirit, their ori, their spiritual head, their okra, their krawa, and their ab, the heart, which for Kemet was the seat of intelligence. And may these words awaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside of them. Kum Achiwarefo Nyena Oh Kum Achiwarefo Nyena Oh Kum Achiwarefo Nyena Oh Medasipa Medasibio Mopiasu Monekasa Medasi Nanano Yo Medasi Nanano Yapai, a libation, is an ancient practice that is still done to this nanosecond in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, future become one as those of tomorrow. Look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from 
and doing the rituals of yesterday. Dead, wrap the mantle of the red, the black and the green around me. For in the new life I shall rise up with God's grace and blessing to lead the millions of the heights and the triumph that you will know. Look for me in a world when there is storm. Look for me all around you. For with God's grace I shall come back with countless millions of black men and women who have died in America, those who have died in the West Indies, and those who have died in Africa to aid you in the fight for liberty, freedom, and life. Any leadership that teaches you to depend upon another race is a leadership that will enslave you. Any leadership that teaches you to depend upon another race is a leadership that will enslave you. They gave leadership to our foreparents and that leadership made them slaves. But we have decided to find a leadership of our own to make ourselves free men. Our great scholars having passed through the colleges and universities have thrown away the blessed record. Babylon did it. 
Assyria did it. France under Napoleon did it. Germany under Prince von Bismarck did it. England under... America under George Washington did it. Africa with 400 million black people can do it. If you cannot do it, if you are not prepared to do it, then you will die. You race of cowards, you race of imbeciles, you race of good for nothing. If you cannot do what other men have done, what other nations have done, what other races have done, then you have better die. Can we do it? We can do it. We shall do it. We pray to God for vision and for leadership. And He has given us our universal vision. A vision that will not limit our possibilities to America. A vision that will not limit our possibilities to the West Indies. But a vision that said it must be a free and redeemed Africa. Christ to crucify, Christ to despise. We appeal to you for help, for succor, for leadership. When you endeavor to carry your burden of the heights of Calvary, when white men spawned you, when white men scorned you, when white men spat upon you, when white men pierced your side out of which blood and water gushed forth, it was a black man in the name of Simon the Syrian who took your cross and bore it up the heights of Calvary. And now that we are bearing our burden of being so heavy, we just ask that you just help us on up the heights. Oh, yes, the cause is grand, the cause is glory. Surely we shall not turn back. Oh, Ceylon, 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 almighty ship of state, Ceylon. Ceylon until the flag of the red, the black, and the green is perched upon the hills of Africa. Because the time has come for the black man to forget his hero worship of other races. And to create and emulate heroes of his own. We must canonize our own saints. Create our own martyrs and elevate the positions of fame and honor black men and women who have made a distinct contribution to our racial history. Sojourner Truth is worthy of a place of sainthood alongside the throne of Ark. Christmas Harris and George William Gordon are entitled to the halo of martyrdom with no less glory than the martyrs of any other race. To St. Levitore's brilliancy as a soldier or a statesman outshone that of any other people. Hence he's entitled to the highest place as a hero among men. Because Africa's created millions and countless millions of black men and women in war and peace, whose luster and bravery outshone that of any other people. So why not see good and perfection in ourselves? We must inspire our literature and promulgate a doctrine of our own without any apologies to the powers that be. That right is ours and God. Let sentiments and cross opinions go to the winds. We are entitled to our own opinion. And are not obligated to or bound by the opinions of others. If others laugh at you, return the laughter to them. If they limit you, return the compliment with equal force. Because they have no more right to dishonor, discredit you in manhood than you have in dealing with them. Honor them when they honor you. Disrespect and disregard them when they vilely treat you. Their arrogance is but skin deep. An assumption that has no foundation in morals or in law. They have sprung from the same family tree of obscurity as we have. Their history is as rude in its primitiveness as ours. Their ancestors were running wild in living in trees of branches like monkeys as ours. They made human sacrifices, ate the flesh of their own dead and wild meat from beasts for centuries, even as they have accused us of doing. Their cannibalism is more prolonged than ours. When we were embracing the, the banks of the, of the Nile, 
they were still drinking blood out of the, out of the skulls of their conquered dead. After our civilization had reached the noonday of progress, they were still living in holes with bats, rats, and other insects and animals. After we had already unfathomed the mystery of the stars and reduced the heavenly constellation to minute and regular calculus, they were still backwards men living in ignorance and in blatant darkness. The world is indebted to us for the benefits of civilization. They stole our arts and sciences from Africa. Then why should we be ashamed of ourselves? Their modern improvement. To be, re to be reflected and resurrected by our generation and our posterity. Why should we be discouraged if somebody laughs at us today? Who to tell what tomorrow will bring forth? Did they not laugh at Christ, Moses, Muhammad? Was there not a Carthage, Greece, and Rome? So we see and have changes every day. So pray, walk, be steadfast, and be not dismissed. Because as the Jew is held together by his religion, the white race is by the assumption and the unwritten law of superiority, the Mongolian by the precious tie of blood, likewise the black man must unite in one grand racial hierarchy. Our union must know no crime, no nationality. But let us all hold together in every country, in every crime, making a racial empire upon which the sun shall never set. Let no voice but your own speak to you from the depths. Let no influence but your own rouse you in time of peace and time of war. Hear all, but attend only to that which concerns you. Your allegiance shall be to your God, your race, your country. Remember that the Jew in his political and economic origins always first the Jew. The white man is first a white man under all circumstances, so you can do no less. Be black, buy black, think black, and all else will take care of itself. Let no one inoculate you with evil doctrines to suit his own convenience. Charity begins at home, so force to thyself be true, and thou canst not then be false for no man. Because God and nature first made us what we are, and out of our own creative genius we make ourselves what we want to be. Follow always that great law. Let God and the sky be our limit and eternity our measurement. There is no height to which you cannot climb without the active intelligence of your own mind. Mind creates, and as much as we desire in nature, we can have through the creation of our own minds. And today, being scientifically the weaker race, you shall treat others only as they treat you. But in your homes and everywhere possible, you must teach the higher development of science to your children. And make sure, and make sure that we have a race of scientists par excellence. For in religion and science lies our only hope to withstand the evil designs of modern materialism. Never forget your God. Remember that we live, work, and pray for a binding racial hierarchy whose only natural, spiritual, and political limits shall be God and Africa at home and abroad. With one, with God's dearest blessings, I leave you for a while, one love. Oh. Brothers and sisters.
Masters, Marcus, Mosiah, Harvey. Yes, yes, yes. Africa's Reascension. This is your host, Kamal McCasey Tahuti. Welcome, listeners, live listeners and archive listeners. So, yeah, that was, as we know, this is Garvey Month, um, August 17th. He came from the spirit realm to the human realm, and we know all the stuff that he's done, that he did, the legacy that he left, um, the legacy that some of us are still trying to get up to just where he was, um, and then trying to move forward and go even beyond his vision. And then, of course, unfortunately, um, Garvey passed, went from human to spirit form June 10th. And so in memory of Baba Garvey, we have to play that. We usually play something for him during the month, you know, when we're on more regularly. But, of course, since we did not have to do something. And just uh, I was going to bring it up later, but since we mentioned it now, might as well get it out the way. Um, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, of all people, recently, I want to say this week, last week or something, put out on Twitter, um, You need, folks go, need to find out, what did he say? I forget the exact tweet. Y'all need to Google Marcus Garvey and figure out who he was and um, talking about economic independence. And so now, of course, there's there's two sides to this. One, most black folks of a certain age and generation um, venerate P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, all that, you know, as a walking, <laughs> as 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 someone to listen to. And and you know he even did the commercial a few years ago. He he says something, puts it out, and then everyone, all black folks, everyone that likes him, runs out and does it. And so, if that's still the case, um, if that's still true, then in one sense, Puff Daddy just did us a huge, huge service by tweeting the name Marcus Garvey and getting people um, to go look his stuff up, philosophy and opinions, African philosophy and other stuff. Um, and so on one, in one sense, you cannot hate on that. It's, it's great that he did it because someone with his pull and his influence will definitely get more eyes on the man, the, the, the legend, peace be upon him, Marcus Garvey. The flip side to it is that, one, we shouldn't be waiting for artists and entertainers of questionable values and morals um, to tell us um, when we should uh, be looking at, up our history. Most of us should already know about Garvey, and, and it should be, be like, oh, okay, P. Diddy mentioned Garvey. Okay, next. Um, yeah, what I do? Uh, click something. Okay. Okay. Um, and P. 
P. Diddy referenced Garvey in the sense solely of economic independence. And, of course, I ain't, I ain't poo-pooing on that, but Garvey was not only about economic independence. He was about totally our own stuff. And so, again, we could go back to the first point. If we just if, – if P. Diddy can get people's eyes on Garvey and they read, you know, philosophy and opinions one, two, and try to dig up three – they themselves will see more than just economic independence. They themselves will see Africa first, love Africa, 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 Africa. So even though Diddy might be focusing on economic independence, which we do need, it could possibly also spiral into more self-love and more self-respect for black folks in general when they start taking on um, – the other messages of Marcus Messiah Garvey. So, <sighs> overall, I do think it's a good thing. It's a shame that we have to wait for entertainers to 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 um, wake up the masses and 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 bring up people and get them involved and stuff that way. Um, all the folks that's been speaking to Garvey for the last hundred years or so, you know, you know, we, we'll say thank you to P. Diddy, but we don't necessarily need you to bring it up. Um, but, hey, it is what it is. And um, if more people go out and buy the book and then attempt to redo what Garvey did, then it can be all for the good. So I ain't going to hate too much. Um But our listenership is not waiting. Our, my listenership, this listenership, is not waiting for entertainers to tell us um, about Garvey and about other folks. We're not waiting for Jay-Z to do 444, and now all of a sudden, oh, the Jews are bad, and, and we got to do for our <laughs> Folks been doing this 20, 30, 40 years, you know, so. It is what it is. They've got more reach to the young folks, so that's cool. But moving on. We love you, Marcus. We love you, Baba Garvey, and we always will. On a more somber note, and and I'm sure the listening audience already knows this, um, Baba Dick Gregory made his transition to ancestorhood last night, yesterday, this morning, something like that. Um, came as sort of a blow, because every time I see him, you know, he's upbeat, he's jovial, you know, he's spry <laughs> for for a man in his 80s. Um and so then, you know, he, his son had said, you know, he went to the hospital, um, I guess chest pains or something or whatever, and then, unfortunately, he, he succumbed. I think they actually said it was our, yeah, heart failure. Um, and so just for for the for a few folks who might not know a little bit about Dick Gregory, just read from the Wikipedia page, Richard Claxton, or Dick Gregory, um, came from spirit to human form October 12th and went 
from human back to spirit form yesterday, August 19th. Wiki says he was an American civil rights activist, social critic, writer, entrepreneur, comedian, conspiracy theorist, and occasional actor. During the turbulent 1960s, um, Gregory became a pioneer in stand-up comedy for his no-holds-barred sets, in which he mocked bigotry and racism. He primarily performed at segregated clubs to black audiences until 61 when he became the first black comedian to successfully cross over to white audiences, appearing on television and and putting out comedy record albums. Gregory was at the forefront of political activism in the 60s, protesting the Vietnam War and racial injustice. He was arrested multiple times, went on hunger strikes, later became a motivational speaker and author, primarily promoting spirituality. (laughs) This is, again, wiki. Um, August, yesterday, August 19th, Gregory um, passed of heart failure in D.C., at D.C. Hospital, at the age of 84. My um, personal recollections of, of Baba Gregory are are few. I mean, if you're if you were ha- anywhere near pro-black or conscious here in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, you would go through Sankofa books or go to different, you know, black events. You will see <laughs> Baba Gregory. He would get out to the events. How I got to know him, though, is when I was at um, Politics and Prose Bookstore. He was a regular at the bookstore picking up stuff. And so I introduced myself to him and he was like, Hey, how you doing young blood? And every time I would ever see him and, and every time I would see him interact with other folks immediately after he says, Hey, how you doing? He immediately asks, how's your family doing? How's your mom? How, how, how's your you know, wife, kids, if he, you know, or husband, kids, all that sort of stuff. He would immediately move to the family piece, the family piece. And that, that always, that always warmed me that that's the so you know traditional african and we're going to talk about that with my africa trip the 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 whole greeting process on the continent or between especially continental africans can take 5 7 minutes cuz they going through your whole family lineage asking how this person doing how that person doing how this person doing and so to, 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 to rub shoulders and, and, and speak with Baba Gregory and just how he would start his conversations like that. So how's your family doing, brother? You know, that, that always just warmed me, and it was real cool to, you know, um, be around him and talk to him and stuff. Um, the last time I remember seeing him, um, me and my wife, <clears throat> we were out just, you know, getting our walk on um, and stuff we were – yeah, just at a park, I guess, close by his house, and he just happened to be there. And so, you know, I introduced myself and introduced him to my wife, and, and of course, and so, also, this 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 the wife, and so, how your family? <laughs> and, and we went there for a minute, and then, you know, short, chopped it up for a minute, then he kept went on his walk. And so, it is a real loss um, that he's gone. Um he definitely, you could definitely say he was a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist. He did have some ideas and stuff that was way far out there. <laughs> you got you to gotta call it. You got to call it. He did. However, 
Baba Dick Gregory also did have some so-called conspiracy theories that turned out to be true. And it's the stuff that turned out to be true <laughs> that makes you then go back and, and, and relook at some of the stuff that you would call far-fetched. Um, how he got his hands on certain documents um, used to always just surprise me. And I was like, what? Where'd you get this from? How'd you? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, so it's 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 a big loss. Um, our heart and prayers go out to to, to his remaining family um, and friends, and we'll see where the funeral is. Because he was originally, you know, born in St. Louis, so I'm sure D.C. will have something here for him, of course. Uh, but, you know, the big, big stuff may be in St. Louis. I'm not sure. I haven't heard word about the follow-up and stuff on that. But, but yeah, so, Baba, Baba Gregory, we will love you as well. Peace be upon you. Thank you for the insight that you did bring. And... We we down here will continue to keep the fight going on on all different fronts. It's so funny how comedians, we especially us in the black community, we have sort of knighted comedians to be the truth tellers. When you think about it, you know, D.L. Hughley sometimes would slip in a whole bunch of good stuff. Chris Rock would slip in a whole bunch of whole bunch of good stuff. Um but we can go back to, to 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 his to Gregory's contemporaries as far as like Paul Mooney um and and, and Richard Pryor and and just, all, all those that I mentioned, you know, great comedians, but they're they're oh, I'm sorry, and Dave Chappelle. They're they're scathing and biting critique of society, of racism, white supremacy, white world domination, of the stupidity of white folks, the stupidity of black folks, all of that. They could, comedians could always get away with saying certain stuff that your normal, you know, political activist standing in front of a mic or whatever can't get away with. And it's just interesting how that dynamic is. And so... Baba Baba Gregory definitely was part of that legacy of being able to do that. And I, I'm not saying that, you know, the, the nationalist speakers should become stand-up comedians, but maybe we want to add a little bit more comedy. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not saying go go crazy and stupid and, you know, do videos of yourself in hot tubs and stuff, but I'm just saying maybe we could make some of our talks and stuff more entertaining in a way to reach more people, keep all the information, of course, as accurate as possible, but maybe we could figure out a different vehicle or a different mode of transport for all this deep, serious nation-building information that we have so it can reach more people, not only just so we can say it reached more people, but the idea is, in reaching more people, you hit those five, those ten who will be the committed ones who will then help you in doing the work. 
Because if you only reach 10, you might, might get one that's committed. But if you can reach 1,000, 2,000, then you might be able to get 10, 15 that are committed. So the more folks you reach, it's not necessarily to be braggadocious about how many folks you reach. Ideally, it should be about out of that large number, you'll get a slightly, you know, you'll get more committed people to doing the work. And so maybe we need to think about how we give our presentations and and go from there. But it is what it is. So let me keep going. So I want to get a whole bunch of the relevant news items and stuff out of the way now. And so the next hour we could just focus on um, an Africa trip, um, sharing not only the experience of getting the heck up out of America and going back home for the first time, but just little tips and little things that I wish I would have known ahead of time. <laughs> so I'd have been prepared for it when I made it over there. And so, um, yeah, that'll take up the second hour. Uh, we'll see if we're going to do overtime, just how it's going. Right now I want to say no, but we'll see how it's going to go from there. So. Yeah, so let me make this quick announcement and then do some music. Got some new music coming up. But anyway, next week, next Saturday, September 26th, excuse me, August 26th, Saturday, August 26th, at 2 p.m., yours truly, Kamal McKay-Satuti, will be interviewed on, wait for it, Wait for it. com. One of the first, and I would argue one of the best, 100% black owned social media and websites in existence today. Unapologetically black, unapologetically African. It's about it, about it. Ride it, ride it <laughs> From the root of the tutor Abibi Tumikasa A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I-K-A-S-A Abibi Tumi Black powerhouse So yeah, so I will be being interviewed on that show I can't say on that show, on that website um, at 2 o'clock by, um, he he is on Facebook, but he's saying he's leaving Facebook and he's solely going to be on the BB2 Mikasa, um, a good brother named Brother Kevin. And we will be talking about primarily my book, How to Make a Negro Christian, and we may try to slip in the second book, um, African World Analysis, and I'm sure you know, um, if they have callers, then they'll be asking about some everything, Charlottesville and Trump and all that crazy stuff too. But, but yeah, primarily we'll be talking about how to make a Negro Christian. So um, once we get all of the info on it, because if you've ever been, he's got different classrooms set up, 
and, you know, it's webcams out and stuff like that. And so I don't, well, I do have a webcam, but I got to find it, or I might have to try to um, turn on my Mac and, and, and do stuff from there. It's partially working. So we'll have to see. So you, if I can get it up, then you'll, you'll be able to see me too. If not, you'll just be hearing my voice. But, yes, yeah, so this coming Saturday, I keep wanting to say September. Why, why is September in my head? I'm trying to move it to October so I can have my next birthday, I guess. But August 26th, next Saturday at 2 p.m. So y'all should be able to be there because the, 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 the McGregor-Mayweather fight ain't until later that night. See, I ain't got no excuse. <laughs> this is 2, at 2 p.m. You can be there. Um, I'll be on a bb2mikasa.com, and um, we'll be talking about how to make a Negro Christian. Oh, that's what I was saying. So, yeah, after we get, you know, which conference room it's going to be in and all the call-in numbers and stuff, you know, we'll put that out on a bb2mikasa. We'll put it out on Face CIA book. Um, if you want to – Contact me directly for information about that. You can hit me up by email at kamal301 at yahoo.com, K-A-M-A-U-301 at yahoo.com. And please put in the subject line, Africa's Reascension, um, and then put your question there um, so I'll know that it's you, so that, I, so that I'll know it's a legit question. Um One thing, no, I'll say it this way. Uh, the reason why it's important that you put Africa's reascension in the subject line is because my computer recently got hacked and I had a crash and I had to reinstall Windows and that. Solely, solely sucks because all of the video and pictures I had from my Africa trip may have been deleted. The reason why I say may is because right now as we speak, my computer is doing a deep scan. I went and got some um, techie software because you know, if you if you know a little bit about computers, or if you watch, you know, different TV, <laughs> um, criminal investigative shows and stuff, stuff that you delete off your computer isn't really really deleted. Like the only way to really delete stuff off your hard drive is to take the hard drive off, and 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 do a bolt through the hard drive. You like literally, you know, get a, a, a screw gun and 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 drive it through the hard drive because usually techs, good techs, find either software or different ways to still be able to get access to the data. And so right now, as we speak, my computer is doing a deep scan, and hopefully, hopefully, I did not lose my first time <laughs> trips to 
Africa, the, the, the videos and the pictures and all that stuff like that. And so I apologize because, you know, here at Blog Talk, you get to put different pictures up on the show page. And so I rode a camel for the first time. I got close-up pictures of the pyramids and all of that and, and, and you know, different pictures of Cairo and Sudan where we were and videos and all that sort of stuff. And I can't share it with none of y'all right now because it's it's in the nether realms of my computer, hopefully still. And so if this deep scan works and I can um, um, retrieve some of the stuff, then definitely you want to hit me up on Face CIA book because then I'll probably just throw everything there. And um, I've been my feet have been held to the fire to do more on the BB2 Mikasa because I've been a long time member, like since '06, like right when he really started the website and stuff. And so I've been back and forth, but now I've sort of fallen on the wayside. And folks was like, "Nah, dude, you're too serious to be only on Facebook. Come back here to the black site." And so probably I'll do you know a, 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 a photo dump and a video dump. On on Facebook, KCIA book, and BB2 Mikasa. So 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 so. Pray for me <laughs> that this deep scam work and I didn't lose all that good stuff, and and then I'll go ahead and share it with everyone else. So so yeah. So last last time, Saturday, August August twenty sixth, two o'clock, a BB2 Mikasa dot com. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I-K-A-S-A.com. I will be being interviewed there in one of their classrooms, speaking on my book, How to Make a Negro Christian. All right. So, so yeah, we still got some more quick news items to go through. Okay, yeah, I mentioned that already, so that's off. So, yeah, so let's play. Some new music um, Brick the foundation For for you know regular listeners Especially when we were regularly doing the show uh, Brick the foundation is, is a good Conscious pro-black artist And he just released um, Two more Two more albums um, Okay I'm telling my age Two more CDs <laughs> Called the Book of Brick, Disc One and Disc Two, and so this one is coming from Disc Two, called Revolution. And if you want this stuff, I'm sorry, just Google Brick, like just how, just like how it sounds, Brick, the D A Foundation, and all this stuff is up on Bandcamp. And so this one, this is a nice one, called Wake Up, Wake Up. And we'll play that and we'll be right back here at Africa's Essential. Supreme. I be on a mission trying to wake my people up. Back been against the wall, so there ain't no giving up. Real niggas don't die. We multiply plus. Back bent against the wall, so there ain't no giving up. 
say the least. I'm in rock, feeling like a guy. This is my release. It's time to take it up another notch. We almost at the peak. I hope you down to start a riot. If you win, you better leave. Surround Supersonic flows. I place them on the beat. Take them out. Any mighty more, my mental's a machine. Algorithms in my system got my vision on my dream. I sided more with the teachers of Malcolm than Dr. King until we free. Practice what I preach. Banging on the beast. What up, yo? This is MGE. Making history. Artifact. This the art of rap. There ain't no mystery. I put this knowledge over eight away. The perfect recipe. I'm the chef. Till there's nothing left. This the best of me. Put this power in the music so my cipher is complete. I be yeah. on the mission trying to wake my people up. Back then against the wall so there ain't no giving up. Real knockers don't die. We multiply plus. Subtract the negativity. They can't divide us. I be on a mission trying to wake my people up. Back then against the wall so there ain't I swear this plane just landed, booked another show. Ain't no comfort zone. I'll be on my P's and Q's like I'm with LMNO. Drop this album just to show you how it go. Coast to coast, wake my people up. Show them we can grow. Let's explore. Agriculture's so the food we eat and pure. Even more. Ain't no poison in it, best us out for sure. Ain't no seed, ain't no life. Classified as GMO. Know your road. Just a cog in the wheel of society for real. Broken spoke, full of hope and won't deny us of them still. How you feel? I'm feeling like it's time we make a shift instead of music full of violence. All of my made to uplift. Black power in his mother. Wait, this baby's in there, brick. You gotta watch the words you say. Reach all the ages with this brick. Put it over trap. Reach they going crazy with this brick. I swear that white supremacy, they more than hate that I exactly. I be on a mission trying to wake my people up. Back then against the wall, so there ain't no giving up. Real knockers don't die. We multiply plus. Subtract the negativity, they can't divide us. I be on a mission trying to wake my people up. Back then against the wall, so there ain't no giving up. Real knockers don't die. We multiply plus. All right, we're back. Africa's reascension again. That was Brick, the foundation of his one of his new ones, the Book of Brick, this two revolution, and that song, Wake Up, Wake Up. So yeah, <clears throat> y'all know we like good flow, good music, and. Conscious pro-black lyrics If we can get those three things Together in one song We usually like to share them with you And happily There's there's The the, the faucet is still overflowing With good music Like that Um, It's still Trickling if we add In a specific African spiritual message There's still only two folks I can think of Who have been very well at doing that I've heard a questionable Some questionable stuff On that but two good folks To hear And, um, and Afu Afura Afura Wax um, Those the two To hear RBG um, Yeah But Outside of the spiritual piece If you just want good pro-black content as well as good music and good flow That's been coming a lot And I've been getting a lot of good stuff And so, you know, we've got some more music selections later on But I would want to briefly mention 
a few new books that are either out already, two are out already, two are coming out, and out of these four, I'm going to talk about two of them I have, and two, two of them I have, one I'm, I'm really looking forward to, and one I'm looking forward to with some hesitation. So let's start off with the two that I have. But, okay, no, let, let me do this. Let me do this. So, first, our good friends, Kwesi, Ra, Nahim, Pata, Akan, has dropped another book, a new book. But this one, finally, <laughs> isn't just him. This one is him and a group of sisters. Obatan. Obatan. Afurayat Kayatnit Womanhood. So we know Brother Kwesi did the book dealing with African manhood. And he knew that he couldn't write a piece on African womanhood devoid of the women. But at the time, the women who were uh, qualified might be a bad word, but qualified to write it, you know, weren't coming around. And so as he started putting, getting himself and his work and his inspirations and stuff more out there, then more, you know, Culturally clear sisters started coming to bear, coming to the fore, to where now this book, as a collective effort, is out. And it's all about womanhood. He did not try to pull an Ayana Von Zant <laughs> and write a book on manhood as a woman. No. He, with the help, of some down, down sisters have put together a very, very good book defining, redefining, explaining, and looking at all different aspects of African womanhood using his old baton, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, uh, model. And so... It's available for free um, online at um, ajirafo.com, O-D-W-I-R-A-F-O.com, and then just scroll down to O-B-A-A-T-A-N. However, I would also suggest that you go to that website and purchase the soft cover of that book. Um I forget how much it is actually. It's it's most of his books are between 8 and 11 bucks so it ain't going to crush your pocket. Um and and the, the just the information within there. Again, if you know if you know Quasi Rye and you appreciate his work, then um him and other sisters who are, are on the same path, on the same wavelength contributing and putting together this book, you know it's going to be um, some good stuff. 
Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> scanning through now. But anyway, so yeah, so that, so again, Obatan, Afurayat, Kayatnit, Womanhood. You can get it at com online for free. But I would also highly, highly suggest you support this brother and buy buy a copy. And he's got 26 other magnificent books as well. He's always got different um, package deals going on to get um, multiples and different stuff. You know, of course, as we've said many times before, our favorite is Ubin Shang. Um, but he's got the 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 origin of the term Afura, the origins of the term Africa. Uh, more means dead, uh, a Krawak complex, um, and and he's dropping slowly but surely his whole Akradim Bosun series, and and I'm really looking forward to that series. He's finally dropped one and two. And so one and two gives you all of the background and the basis and the foundations and all that other sort of stuff. And all the rest of the ones that he's going to put together will be the specific Akradin Bosun. So then you figure out which day you're born on, then you find your Akradin Bosun, and then you get that particular book and read all about yourself and stuff you may not have known and stuff you should know and all that sort of stuff. But this particular one is on Africana, African womanhood from a culturally clear African perspective. None of that New Age BS, all that blah, 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 no, no feminism, white feminism crap, none of that. No, strictly culturally clear um, African-based, the ideal where where the ideal should be. You should always have the ideal, and then you're striving towards it. And white folks have been great at putting out ideals, and we try to reach that, and it don't get us nowhere. And so we finally have our people doing the research, living the life, creating that ideal. And now it's up to us to... Um, get there so we can get to higher places individually and collectively. So please support the brother ajirafo.com, O-D-W-I-R-A-F-O.com, his latest book on African womanhood, written by him and a collective of women within the um, Ajiraman group. Okay, so we'll go from there. To a book that I do not have Because it's not out yet But it is done It was done Oh that's uh, Okay I'll just do that Sister Ia Ajua Who we have had on the show Is doing a She's in the last throes Of finishing up her book and she's been she she has um a, a fundraising thing online to help um finish up finish getting the the the, the fund, all the different funds together she needs for the typesetting and ISBNs and all that sort of stuff so hopefully by the end of the year her book will be out 
and we we've had her on the show before and and she's talked about it before so I won't beat beat it down with that I'm bringing it up to let y'all know that it's closer to coming out and and for, it's her acclaim model A C C L A I M but she also did a full hour presentation on the book so if you want to know what the acclaim model is, and then if you want to know where and how to support the efforts, or if you just want to, you know, because once it comes out, we'll definitely talk about it again and maybe even bring her back on the show. But do you want to just type her name in, Dr. Ia Ajua, I-Y-A, last name, A-D-J-U-A, and then go go to YouTube. Because at the Jeremon Afashe here in D.C., she's in Philly, but she came down to D.C. Um, June 24th, last year, she did a whole hour presentation. And so we recorded that, and that's up on YouTube. And the whole she did a whole presentation on the book. And so her acclaimed model, the book should be out later this year. And so please, please go to YouTube and type in, I-Y-A, last name, A-D-J-U-A, and then her hour-long presentation is the Ajiraman Afashe, and Afashe, A-F-A-H-Y-E, and then you get to see that presentation, and the presentation should get you psyched for when the book comes out. The presentation should get you psyched to go back on Google and dig up her um, fundraising page and shoot her some ends to help help her complete the book. And it should definitely get you amped up to buy it once it is finally available. So please do that. That acclaimed model is a looks like it's going to be a good one because the presentation was phenomenal. So we can't wait to get the book in our hands. I'll save the best selection for last and do this this one. <sighs> In Zinga of Angola, Africa's warrior queen. I do want this book solely because it's talking about Queen Nzinga. The author, authoress, the woman who wrote the book, Linda Haywood, is kind of questionable. Not just because she, she's married to a white guy. <laughs> Not just because the book is coming from Harvard University Press, but I have found that it's it's always a bit taxing reading about nationalist type figures from people who aren't nationalists because there will be certain research questions they won't even know to ask because being a nationalist or, or, or doing stuff for your people isn't even in your framework, especially if every day you're waking up and laying down next to the enemy. 
However, in following Baba um, Kimothy, Greg Carr's advice, certain folks, especially folks like from Harvard and other, other stuff like that, have access to certain information, certain material that the lay people might not get to. They have access to money to be able to travel to certain sites, to certain places to get information that we, the lay people, might not be able to get to. So just on that alone, um, I want to get the book, you know, to see the sources that she was able to come up with and other stuff like that. Um, So she is a teacher of history and African-American studies at Boston University, but this is a Harvard Harvard University Press book. Um, it got dropped in February, so it is relatively new. It's still going to be out in hardback. If you want to wait for the paperback, you got to wait till next year because the way the industry works, usually eight months to a year, they'll keep it in hardcover um, unless it's really, really selling, and then they'll – Extend the hardcover period <laughs> There was some of those Cracker books that, that Was going two two and a half Years in hardback because Folks were still buying them up and eating them up But this one You know it, it, It'll be a regular one So if you want to wait for the soft cover you, you 2018 Probably but right now You know it's it's available About 30 bucks hardcover 320 pages um, and and like I say, I don't have it yet. I'm just letting folks know that it's out there because I, I knew about it for a while when she first was starting to talk about it. Um, and it took her some time to put it together, and I'm glad she finally went ahead and did it. So now we get to see what she had to say, and then also see if we can read between the lines and re- get some other stuff. And then also, of course, look at her sources um, and, 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 and use some of the sources and take them in different areas than she wouldn't even know to go. Um, looking at Amazon, at their um, description, I'll just read the last paragraph. Who was Queen Nzinga? There is no simple answer in a world where women were subjugated by men. She repeatedly outmaneuvered her male competitors and Slouted gender norms Taking both male and female lovers Now you see <laughs> Right there we, we we really would have to check that And be like okay where is she getting that from um, Continuing Today in Zynga In Jinga Because she spells it with a J Is revered in Angola as a national heroine And honored in folk religions And her complex legacy Continues to resonate Forming a crucial part of the collective memory of the Afro-Atlantic world Ain't no damn Afro-Atlantic We are not originated in the damn water We came from Africa Africa is still in us no matter where the hell we got put up This Atlantic concept as an identifier for us is BS And I hate everyone that uses it because if we could say Afro-Atlantic, then that means somewhere we got our, our Africanity got lost in the Atlantic Ocean. And so right when we got over here to America, we was tabula rasa. And, 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 and 
so much research has come out to debunk that BS, but this Atlantic thing is just so embedded, especially in black studies psyche, that, that, that folks just can't get rid of it. Let me calm down. So, yeah, like I said, it, it, it's <laughs> – and I'm sure she added some feminist crap in here to talk about she had female lovers. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, yeah, like I say, it, it, maybe we should wait for the paperback so we ain't dropping $30. Oh, oh man. Oh, but anyway, so, yeah, so that that, that it's out. Check it out. Um uh, uh, if you get it from Amazon, it's twenty twenty five. It's twenty fifty as as a hardback now, um, and other folks, other other vendors got other used copies for different prices. Um, like I say, or just wait for the paperback, um, probably at the beginning of the year. But it's out in Jenga of Angola, Africa's Warrior Queen by Linda Haywood. 320 pages from Harvard University Press just dropped, I say just, <laughs> February of this year. Uh, check it out. Maybe even just check it out from the library multiple times and read it and then go from there. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, and then we'll take another break. And then, yeah, we could leave that alone. I was going to say something about Trump. <laughs> I ain't got to say nothing about him. I gave him a lot of juice the last show we had. I don't need to give him no more. Um, so, yeah, I'll bring up this latest book, and then we'll take another musical break, and then we'll just go ahead and jump into my Africa trip. I have been given the pleasure to not only proofread, but also write the foreword to my good friend, to my good friend's book that I'm holding in my hand that's not released yet to the public. He's been on the show. He's had his own show here on Blog Talk. Um, talk about him all the time. Very, very, very good brother. The name of the book is Ma'atism, an indigenous African Revolutionary Ideology Jaja Malik Atumra We're doing just a dramatic pause Just to let that set in Ma'atism An indigenous African Revolutionary Ideology Just reading from the back there will be no African revolution without an indigenous African revolutionary ideology. That's a quote from the brother. The author has finally broken the intellectual glass ceiling and proposes a new revolutionary paradigm-changing ideology. No longer will African people have to rely on foreign political and socioeconomic ideologies. Ma'atism represents the missing ingredient that has prevented African revolutionaries around the world from achieving true African liberation. Ma'atism provides African people with a solution to all their problems. 
not only at the national level, but at the global community and family levels. Ma'atism will serve as the unifying glue that will unify and organize African people around the world. Ma'atism represents the highest form of black nationalism, communalism, and pan-Africanism. And a quick, to use a quick blurb inside the book. Oh, well, oh. <laughs> yeah, he, the need for African people to adopt a new revolutionary theory based on indigenous African beliefs and cultural practices is the missing element that is required to bring forth an African revolution. Simply put, Again, like we said earlier, there will be no African revolution without an indigenous African revolutionary ideology. Going through the book, you know, I got to put on two, three hats. I got to put on my editor hat looking for misspellings and past tense stuff, whatever, whatever. Then when I finish with that, I got to put on my analysis hat and go through the great analysis that he gave and then give my own analysis and take of it. And then I got to put on the writing hat to put together the foreword for my good friend's book. This book, Ma'atism, can be the game changer that so many of us have been looking for. We've been flapping blindly back and forth between um, Democrat and Republican and, 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 and conservative and Democrat and, and, and capitalism and communism. And it almost seems like black people, African people, cannot come up with their own ideologies. It makes me sometimes think that maybe we are intellectually lazy. It's just easier to try to make capitalism black. It's so much easier to try to make communism black. It's so much easier to try to say African socialism and wrap it up in kente cloth versus doing the hard intellectual work of coming up with your own paradigm, your own ideology, coming from and rooted in your own culture. Yes. It's hard to do that. But if we ever think that we're going to get from up under this beast and be back on top of the world stage that we used to have, that we're where we used to be, that's the hard work we're going to have to do. Coloring white stuff black hasn't worked ain't going to work, and will never work. That's lazy, y'all. You don't need to paint Jesus black. Throw him away and go back to um, Inyame and Inyamewa. You don't need to make you don't need to force fit Allah into an African identity. Throw his ass away, throw his ass away, and go back to Odomakuma. 
a real African spiritual system. You don't need to write whole books talking about African socialism and 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 and. and Trying to give Karl Marx a tan and all that sort of stuff. Throw that stuff away and do the research that's needed looking at a a variety of traditional and classical African civilizations and societies and from there come up with a old-slash-new ideology to move us forward. Finally, someone is doing that. Jaja Malik, Achen Ra, with his book, Ma'atism, an indigenous African revolutionary ideology. Now, this first book, hopefully, um, I'll be finished with my stuff dealing with the book soon. And he wants to definitely have it out. He wants to try to get out by October. Um, and so, of course, once it's out, you know, we'll have them on the show. <clears throat> we'll even try to bring them down to D.C. and talk. And if you have a, a, a black bookstore in your area, he definitely uh, won't mind um, doing a book um, signing and speaking tour. So you can hit me up, and I'll put you in touch with him, and you can bring him to your city. Again, Kamau301 at yahoo.com, K-A-M-A-U-301 at yahoo.com, subject line, Africa's Reascension. Then just let me know you want to bring um, Brother there to speak. But, but, and this particular book is, 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 the, is simplified, is, is the foundation. You got to understand this book. Because he does have other ones in the work, the next volumes ready to go, like in his head at least, and then go from there. The the more nuts and bolts of of how to use it, how it will apply, all that sort of stuff. This one is the foundational background that you need to have to be under able to understand the principle to then be able to apply it. A lot of folks don't even want to understand stuff. They just want, oh, give me the plan. Give me the plan, brother. What you going to do? What you going to do? But if your mind ain't right for the plan, then you're going to mess up the plan. Or you're only going to have negative stuff to say about the plan because you ain't in the right mindset to understand the plan. So let's do stuff in order. Let's get the mindset right first. And that's where my autism Volume 1, we should call it that, an indigenous African revolutionary ideology comes in. And then once you get that one down, then when he drops the next one, which is more detailed and all that sort of stuff, then you'll be able to take it in more. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to finish reading it from the analytical standpoint because going through doing the editing, you know, that's never fun. But It's using indigenous African cultural principles to create your ideology. It, it, it should be a it should be a commonplace practice 
but it's not. So it's a revolutionary idea, and I'm glad. Um, I'm glad he 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 has taken up the mantle to do it, and I'm gonna do all in my power to make sure that this he and this book is a success. So. So yeah, so I'm gonna finish it. Like I say, this we he wants it to drop by October, and then he wants to start speaking on it and going around and talking on it in October of this year. So please um, stay in touch with me if you want more information um, about his progress. And then, like I say, once it's out, we'll definitely do a full book review of it. Everything will stop. Everything will stop And I will do As many shows as needed To give this book a full review um, to, to, to let you know how powerful This book is And to get you to buy it And hopefully to get you to bring them to your area um, To speak on it And then he can help You and or your group Implement it in your particular area um, and so yeah, that's that's all I'm gonna say about it now. But my autism, I just like keep <laughs> keep saying the title, an indigenous African revolutionary ideology. Yeah, so whew, got me hype. Okay, so let me shut up now. <laughs> Another music break. Still. To this day, I would still say the best hip-hop artist on the planet is KRS-One. Nipping at his heels quickly <laughs> is Brother K. Reno. I mean, both of them alone are on different stratospheres from damn near everybody else. Um, but but definitely, you know, KRS is the man. And so he just dropped a new one, and this I want to say like literally two months ago, maybe, maybe three, not that long, called The World is Mind, M-I-N-D. And he, the song we're going to play, he has done something that, again, I wish more people did. And the only person off the top of my head that I can think that did it was um, Blitz the Ambassador, where they took, <coughs> excuse me, they take traditional African music and tie it into hip hop. That is a and, and y'all listeners who've heard this before, bear with me. That's a completely untapped market. Completely untapped. Again, because we have no love for our home and don't know how to use it properly and, and do stuff with it. That 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 collaborative effort could. Change the face of the continent And change a whole bunch of lives over here As far as All the music that could be generated From conscious lyrics Hip hop And and hip hop and traditional African fusion So anyway So I guess Chris had just came back from South Africa and and he had talked with some of the quote-unquote click speakers. And so he was so moved that he put together a song called Keep Clicking. And and it, I, I just love it. And so KRS-One, Keep Clicking, 
here on Africa's Reascension. Big up to Queen Mother Bogdan. Shout out to Shine. The whole Steve Pico Foundation. Let's move this. So, 
Okay. The one thing I'm going to say about Trump and Charlottesville, Virginia, I just remember when black folks in Ferguson unarmed, unarmed, mounted up downtown, And seeing the lines and rows and formations after formations of armed and shielded piggies. And how they had the National Guard on speed dial. And how if you attempted to look wrong and get out of step. Or throw a rock at somebody Six, seven, eight of them would come and try to beat you down But you got these crackers With burning lit Dicky torches Walking down the street With hate filled signs Spewing hate-filled rhetoric And the police are sitting on their goddamn hands doing nothing Fights breaking out all over the place And the National Guard ain't called not damn one time They got video of a brother getting beat down By four white boys with poles And he said there were cops in eye shot of what was going on and they ain't do a damn thing. The response to unarmed black people protesting and lit tiki torches crackers marching. If it ain't fully clear what this entire country thinks of you as a black person, you are lost and 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 nobody should say nothing to you ever just it's it's a lost cause for you. If that if, if those two incidences put together don't wake you up out of a little bit of something sleep that you went you, you just gone and and no one needs to listen to you ever ever again. Clear as day. That's all I'm going to say because we are going to have to go on some overtime now, I see. So that's all I'm going to say about that. That was, yeah, yeah. So in March this year, 2017, we're in calendar. Me and my family escaped America for the entire month. For my wife, it was her chance to get back home. I think if I remember right, she hadn't been back since like 2011, 2012, something like that. And so it was a chance for her to go back home and reconnect with her large, (laughs) large family. Oh, my gosh, she got a lot of family. For me, it was my first time going back home to the continent that we now call Africa. 
And even though there was a whole bunch of <laughs> craziness that ensued during the trip, it, it, it was a wonderful experience. And my first bit of advice to all stolen Africans is travel, 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 travel. Your block the, is not the world. Now, let me go here. Your house is not the world. Your block is not the world. Your community is not the world. You need to see and experience the world. And part of that world means you have to, have to go back home. It, 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 it is different. It's a different experience. It's a, it's different from America, and, and, and you have to be open to that and, and be willing to accept that. The way that I like to travel, and, and happily I've gotten with someone who likes to do that too, we do not want to experience America in Africa. If you want to do that, just stay ass in America. No. <laughs> so many... Uh, and friends of mine actually are sort of like some of them are like that. They want to experience America and Africa. Why, why, why spend the money? Just stay here. So when we go, when I go, uh, be amongst the people. Live how, eat how <laughs> the regular people live and eat and experience life. And so for a few folks, you know, who are friends of me and who follow me on Face CIA book, I was sending out, you know, maybe <laughs> weekly reports sometimes on what was going on. And I remember one of the messages that I had said was um, all of these four and five and 19-star hotel traveling African lectures and whatnot, they're not experiencing real Africa most of the time. Because they stay up in these high-saluted hotels. And we was, you know, we were walking and riding past and seeing the, the, the four-star Sheratons and all that sort of stuff. And we was, no, <clears throat> no. And especially in a place like Africa, as, as hospitable as it is, um, folks is even talking about how the hospitality industry there is is kind of dead because, Folks invite you into your home, like especially in Sudan, they invite you to your home quickly. Start up a conversation with you in the airport. Next thing you know, you go into somebody's house. So the hotel industry is mostly for Caucasoids and or, you know, for folks who may be traveling and don't know anybody in that particular area. But um, it, 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 it was... It was a, a, a wonderful experience. So, so, so wifey booked the plane tickets. And I would say if you want to do it nicely, <laughs> if you want to get there nicely, you want to you go, you want to fly Emirates, and specifically the Airbus plane, the Emirates Airbus plane. That is it's like a two-story plane. 
Like they have, you know, a, a, an upper level and a lower level. I get depend. Some of them are laid out. The upper level is for business class and and first class, and then the under level is is everybody else. But even the everybody else areas. Oh my God, it was so nice. The food was phenomenal, and you don't <laughs> you don't hear. That phrase said nowadays for air food, air, airplane food. The food was phenomenal. Um, you know, every every seat had the the um, DVD player, not the DVD player, the 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 screen, the DVD screen, so you could watch movies. Big selection of movies. I remember I saw. During the flight, I saw. I think it was called Kati Kati. It was a movie from Kenya, and it was talking about um, life. It was talking about. I don't want to describe it. It was talking about the story of life and death, but but it was primarily focused on the area of purgatory. We could question. If it was coming from an indigenous African perspective, because I don't, I don't know um, Kenyan Kenyan spiritual beliefs or, or you know, the specific cultural groups' beliefs, so I don't know if they even have a concept of purgatory. But just playing with the idea of where do people go in the in the in-between time, right when they die, but before they get to their final destination. And and that whole interplay, it was just a, a, an interesting movie. Of course, it could have been done a little bit better, had some, you know, different areas where they went with it. But just the concept and, and the ideas that they threw out and stuff was very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think it was called Kati Kati, K-A-T-I, K-A-T-I um, from from Kenya. I just remembered that. That's why um make sure I'm giving y'all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kati Kati. A young woman with no memory of her life or death is helped with assimilation to the afterlife by a ghost. That's the quick, you know, um, I IMB, IMDB um, breakdown of the book and the, of the movie, and they have you know trailers of them stuff online. And I, over, like I say, it could have been better. They they could have went into a few different areas. And and if I knew more about, because um, I, I feel wrong saying Kenyan spiritual beliefs because there's you know different cultural groups within Kenya, so there's probably not one um, overarching system that they would all follow. But um, we could yeah we could maybe question that because again purgatory. I don't know if that's there in Kenyan spirituality, but just playing with the concepts, using the intellect to think about stuff in this particular way, I really appreciate it and I liked it. And um, yeah, so 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 yeah, so that's what we saw. That's what I saw on that one of the movies that I saw on the plane. That was good. Um, 
So, yeah, see, if you want to travel well going to Africa, <laughs> um, Emirates Airbus was the way to go, and that's what we did. Um, we had layover in Dubai for a little bit. Uh, can't really talk about Dubai. Like I said, we was only there for a few hours as a layover. The one interesting thing that I did notice is that, you know, all the borders, or almost all the borders are gone out of the United States. But they did have one right there um, in Dubai. So so it, it, it was interesting because we made it to um, Cairo and Sudan. That's where we went for the, the two weeks in Cairo and two weeks in, in, in Sudan. It was interesting, all the places that we went, you know, layover or stay, to notice the stores and stuff. And so... Like I said, there's still a borders that that's that's in in Dubai for folks, and there's also there was Radio Shacks. There was two Radio Shacks that we noticed um, even in 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 Cairo in Egypt. Uh, so while you know some businesses there, American businesses may have closed down and shut down and went bankrupt or whatever. There's some of them seem to still be doing business overseas. And so I just thought that that was very interesting. Um, air, airport, airport checkpoints. OMG, family. <laughs> Again, for for travelers who have went international, international travelers, that is the biggest pain. In the ass that I've ever seen, and I, and this this is one thing that I think you know you you can't get away from. You'll be comparing how America do stuff and how other folks do stuff, and in a lot of areas, other folks do stuff better than you. But with the airport thing. <laughs> Whew. Um I, I, I gotta I gotta tick the box for America in that one. I in in all the airports that I can think of that we went to in other folks' countries, they got too many damn checkpoints. And it's like you got I mean literally one of them there was like six different checkpoints. Where, you know, you go through the line and, and and you wheel your 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 luggage through, and you know it goes through the scanner, and then they scan you, and then you go to another place where they do all the same stuff again, and then you go to another place where they tweak it up a little bit, and here they might stamp your passport, but they still <laughs> go through it all. That was so asinine. And the arbitrariness of of what they'll accept and not accept. Because I had a nice expensive lighter. <laughs> it was one of those electronic lighters, you know, it didn't need a flame, you know, you plug it into USB for a day and whatnot, and then it does a flame an electric flame like that. And 
they didn't know what it was, and I even showed it to them, and then they decided, oh, you can't take that. And I'm like, what? You can't take that. You you can't. It's it's explosive device. You can't take that, blah, 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 blah. But then, so they take my jump, but then <laughs> when I get past, also in international airports, they tend to have smoking rooms. Like, you know, in the U.S., they ban smoking basically from all indoor spots. But in international areas, they have smoking rooms, where it's this one room where all the smokers go and they go smoke. And so I'm walking past that, and so I'm like, okay, well, ain't nobody going to be in there because they took I'm walking past there, and I'm like, oh, a smoking room? I hadn't heard of that before. And there's folks in there with lighters smoking in there. And I'm like, I got a lighter. I ain't using it to smoke, but I got a lighter for incense and other stuff. But you're going to take mine. And here you got these folks, and they they here. And they got their lighters, and I'm just like, ah, that 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 irked me. And so then, I, so, so to when we get to the room, I gotta go buy another cheap lighter, so then I can light up the incense to change up the smell in the rooms and stuff like that. And I'm just like, ah, that they're just so arbitrary, so arbitrary. But again, you and another person, another group's country, so they get to define and make the rules. But all those different checkpoints, all those, that was so irritating. Also, another thing, in, in was that just Cairo or was it both? Especially Cairo. When you leave, you know how here in America you can go back and forth, in, out, whatever. If you're waiting for somebody, you can wait in the airport with them in a you know in a little area or whatnot but you can be on the inside of the building in Cairo they've got armed freaking guards at the door so if you a family or friend waiting for your loved one you waiting outside if you don't have a ticket they will not let you in and if you are a passenger and you got your luggage if you waiting for somebody if you you going to wait inside because if you go out the door, they ain't letting you back in. And if you say anything about it, they got a they got I don't know what type of gun that was, but they were strapped. Like this was like a mini machine gun. This wasn't just like a Glock or a handgun. This was like some type of rifle or something. And I was just like, "Wow." <laughs> they were ready to shoot you. If you just try to come in the airport and you had already been out, or they was trying to shoot you if you coming in looking for your loved ones to drive them somewhere, so that was a bit off putting too um, so we get so we started the trip in Cairo in Egypt. And we were able to do our hustling and, and find a um, decent place to to stay. 
and again, if I had, hopefully, if my computer <laughs> deep scan work, I, I even took pictures of the room and stuff. And so, again, if I can get it, I do a photo dump and I share that with folks if it's still on my computer. Um, but if not, like I said, we did get a, and it was in a neighborhood. Again, we weren't trying to stay in no fancy hotels. Uh, we wanted to we want to experience Africa as Africans experience Africa, and so we we were in the area with the people, you know, catching buses, um, catching cabs, getting in um, the rickshaws, <laughs> stuff like that, living as the people. Now I have to say, I have to say. I hate Cairo. Let me repeat. I hate Cairo. Well, Kamal, why do you hate Cairo? I hate Cairo because those damn Arabs are running the place into the ground. Oh, my God. They are some of the rudest people. They... Drive like bats out of hell Every time I got into a car And a cab in Cairo I feared for my life My wife's life My baby's life It was insane Another tick In the American box Is doing stuff better Cairo needs some damn road laws they need a Department of Transportation <laughs> that, that, that really works, and there need to be driving laws. When I first learned how to drive, the, 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 my friend told me, you know, when you're behind somebody, you want to be able to see the bottom of their wheels. In Cairo, you all up on their bumper all the time. If you don't have a horn you should not drive a car, and you probably ain't going to drive because the horn is the sound you will hear 24-7. It, it's, and, like, uh, unfortunately for us, we, was, we were – our place was on a street, <laughs> so constantly everyone is – and that's how folks drive and communicate with each other, by honking. Ain't no stay in your lane. Like – the, the, right now here in America, the big push is the um, lane departure, lane departure alerts, and it'll beep, 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 beep. that shit ain't even gonna be no technology in no Cairo, Egypt, because lanes are are an inconvenience. <laughs> Stay in your lane it, it, it does not exist in Cairo. They will go in between cars, and if they think you're a bit too close, you know, then they'll honk, or the driver will, the uh, first drive, the aggressors, they all aggressive, the one that's trying to get through will honk at you to scoot the hell over so they can get through in between you. It was insane. I don't give a damn about cultural relativism. <laughs> no, they need some driving rules and abide by them. In Cairo, because that is insane. And oh my God, if you are on the, if you are are trying to cross the street with your legs, mm, 
ninja warrior type ordeal. And we had a child with us. But they don't care. <laughs> the drivers in Cairo do not care. It is they road. You ain't got no car. You don't get in the street. And so I remember right before we left, I read online, you know, someone sharing their experiences overseas and stuff, and specifically in Egypt. And they was like, yeah, watch how the natives, watch how the local people cross the street and either do exactly what they do or wait for them to go and then you go with them. (laughs) It is not a, oh, pedestrian has the right of way. Hell no. No, 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 no. You will get, not only will you get ran over, but if you don't die, they will get out the car and cuss you out. That was insane. Now, when we made it to Sudan, it was it was a little less insane. Still, the whole lane thing <laughs> is a bit questionable in, in, in Sudan. And they have some, when you're making turns, certain turns were so perilous and dangerous looking and I was just like wow there needs to be a signal here or a person a traffic cop stopping traffic here but it was it, it was it was a bit better I didn't fear for my life when I was traveling in Sudan like I did Cairo that was insane traveling in Cairo but the damn Arabs, they made our two weeks in Cairo for me just unbearable. How? Okay, so let's go here. Now we got five minutes left in the um, live chat. And then, you know, after that, we go into our overtime. And so the only way you'll be able to hear <clears throat> us live is if you call in at 760 Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. Again, we've got five minutes left in the live show, so if you want to continue live, please call that number seven six zero four five four one 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 one. The Arabs almost ruined Egypt for me. They have overrun. The country, and you know, they've been there for (laughs) some time now, and so they have unfortunately made it theirs. Egypt, the pyramids, and all uh, Horam Akkad, and Tekken News, and all of that is not the idealized, romanticized, whatever, whatever folks want to call it. If it was once, it ain't no more. And I would really like to know who Ashra Kwesi knows for them to be going back and forth to Kemet, because I don't think he speaks Arabic, because you got to, have to, must speak Arabic so you don't get took. Foreigners running our home right now. Foreigners are in control of our pyramids right now. Foreigners are the ones who are attempting to tell us information when we come back and go home. And they are so money-grubbing, it is insane. Again, especially 
in Cairo, and I ha- and I'm going to make a distinction here with Cairo cab drivers and Sudanese cab drivers. You're basically haggling. That's internationally in Africa. Haggling is the 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 the, the mode of everything in most places. And so, you know, so so wife did all the talking, all the haggling as far as getting the getting the cabs and stuff like that. <coughs> so you tell them where you want to go, and then they tell you how much it's going to cost. If they're nice. Sometimes they would be an asshole and give you a range. Sometimes they would just try to say, no, um, we'll figure it out when we get to the end. Never get into that type. And I would say don't do too much of the range stuff. Depending on where you want to go, there can be set there are set prices and 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 if they don't if if they think you're from there well actually it would be harder to do it in Cairo again because it's ninety eighty percent Arab so but 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 being able to speak Arabic, I'm sure that got us a few deals. Well, the wife speaking Arabic, I'm sure that got us a few deals that if it was just me, you know, I wouldn't have got. But every time except twice, when we would get into the damn cab in Cairo, they would quote us one price, and by the time we get to our destination, it would be a whole different price, and they try to put up a fight. One, I remember one cat tried to tell us, oh, yeah, traffic is real bad, so we're going to have to move it up to 50, 50, um, 50, ah, I'm blanking on the dinar, Egyptian money. I can't remember the, 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 the term for it. He quoted us 40 going, and, yeah, traffic was tight getting there, but how are you going to bump up the price because of that? We agreed to a particular price, so stick to it. All but twice these cab drivers kept trying to change up the price. So your word is bond. That concept does not exist in Cairo to those damn Arabs. You got about 30 seconds if you want to continue live with us. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. Otherwise, the feed are cut off. You have to catch everything else in the archive. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. Yeah, the Arabs damn near ruined <laughs> the, the, the 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 my Africa my African homecoming. So we're in the cab. He's trying to change the price. Wifey's like, nah. We give him the 40 Egyptian dollars and we get out. And so right when you get, and we were going to the pyramids to see our stuff that day. And so they have, and and I guess this is fully legal. Again, it's another country, so it's fully legal, I guess. They have local prices and foreigner prices to get into the area. And so, of course, unfortunately, I I had to pay the um, foreigner price. 
But wifey, being from Sudan, she thought she could get the local price. And that's what we had initially paid. And since she didn't have a Sudanese passport, this Bama made us go back and have her pay the foreigner price too. But then we saw the same guy take money from some other folks to let them in, but they still sent us back to pay the full foreign affair. And so wifey lit in on them on that, letting them know that, yeah, we saw that and that wasn't right. <laughs> and and then she said some other stuff to them and we went ahead and got in. So that, that, so the cab pissed us off. The gatekeeper got pissed us off. And so we get in and, and we're looking. And before we can take eight steps, we got families running in, running up on us. Oh, let me take you on the tour. Oh, here, come ride my horse. Here, come ride my camel. Here, come let me show you this and tell you about this. And it's like, dude, we just got here. Can I breathe for a moment? And if they think that you're just walking around doing nothing, they just run up on you. I mean, it's, I guess unless you're just in a large group, it's just, it, it, it was just so hard to just, for me, to be able to just take a moment and take it all in that here I am at the pyramid. That my ancestors, not yours, Arab, that my ancestors built. And this is my first time here. And I get to touch it. I get to feel it. I wanted to take a moment and feel the energy that my ancestors left me. And it was just so hard to do because these goddamn Arabs are running up in your face trying to either lie to you get money out of you, or a lot to you to get more money out of you. One or the other or both. <clears throat> I was able to get a little bit in the moment. You know, I even got me a rock at the base to, to and I, you know, brought it back. So I, I, I still have some of that energy now with me. But it was just so damn hard to fully feel it because the foreigners are running it, running into the ground and totally messing up what could have been a, a really, you know, deep spiritual experience. Um, went in, saw a few tombs, um, and again, Arabs all in there. Oh, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about that. Da 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 da. And and one guy just bogarted because you know we were the only ones in. Well, this was the area where a whole bunch of folks couldn't get in at once. So you know, me, her, and the baby, we we go in, and we're just trying to you know experience it and, and feel it and all that. And then here he comes in and let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about that. Blah blah blah. 
Oh, you can't. <laughs> that was another thing about picture taking. Don't pay no if you when you go there, especially if you go to Egypt, Cairo. Don't pay the extra money that they talk in to take pictures. <laughs> oh man, they tried to get us on there. So we're at when we were at the pyramids, they in one of the areas in one of the tomb areas, you know they got they got um flyers up saying don't take any pictures or whatever whatnot. So we're so we're in there just looking and stuff, being amazed. And he was then he was like, oh yeah, you can go ahead, you can take a few pictures. Ain't nobody else around. And I'm just like, what? He was trying to make it seem like he was doing us a favor. Knowing good and damn well he don't care about me and ain't got nothing to do with, you know, taking no pictures. He was trying to make some more money. And that was even more annoying when we went on the last leg of the trip, we went to um, the Cairo Museum. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. But they wanted to charge, like, I think an extra 20 or 50 Egyptian dollars. And that's not the phrase, but again, I just, I'm blanking on what, what the money is called. They wanted you to pay an extra 20 to 50, I think, for the right to, to take pictures. You would have a badge, and then you could be able to take pictures. And so, you know, we didn't, <coughs> we didn't pay that. It was just like, okay, we'll suck it up or whatever. We get into the Cairo Museum. Ain't nobody got badge one, but everybody taking pictures everywhere. Now, the only thing that, you know, you can't do and it might mess up the actual, you know, artifact or stuff is with the flash because somehow the light, you know, can mess with stuff like that. So you don't want to use flash photography. But everybody, their mama, their best friend, their nephew, their cousin, their auntie, everybody, no badges, taking pictures all day. So, you know, eventually <laughs> I went ahead and did that too. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. But, again, I'm just showing how the damn Arabs have made our home a money grub, a money grab, a money basket, a tourist trap. They don't know about the shit. They don't care about the stuff. Some of the stuff was under disrepute and disrepair because it's not there, so they don't really give a damn. It's making them a little bit of money, so they'll keep it up a little bit. But, you know, when something's yours, you have more pride for it. You want it to look good. You're going to keep it up and the upkeep and all that sort of stuff. But when it's somebody else's and you're just a custodian of somebody else's, it's like, okay, it's making me a little money, so I'll keep it up a little bit, but I won't keep it up a whole lot. That is the attitude of these damn Arabs and our artifacts. But like I said, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, yeah, so we're at the pyramid. So we're in that area. I take the picture. Okay, boom, we leave. And so then we're like, let's go see the pyramids as far as the, 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 the trail. And so this one Bama, he came back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so the third time we finally gave in 
because of the deal that we thought was a deal that wasn't a deal at the end. He was like, you can ride a horse and you can ride our, we'll put the wife on the horse, you can ride the camel. We take you all around, see all the pyramids, all all of them, all the, the, the three major ones, um, for for a hundred, a hundred Egyptian dollars. Period. Flat. The horse, the camel, the entire pyramid strip for a hundred Egyptian dollars. That was the deal. And so we said, okay, cool. There was even some craziness along the way with I'm sure one of his friends forcing us to to buy a soda from him. And what I mean by force is, hey, do you want a soda? And he pops it open already and gives it to you. So base before you even have a chance to say no, he pops it open and then gives it to you. And I wasn't even thinking, you know, reacting quick enough because I wouldn't have took it. It would have, I would have let it hit the ground if I'd have known that this was going to be some racket. But that's that's yeah. But I'm sure there's working in cahoots. So we go through the whole trip. Now I told you what the original deal was. It came out of his mouth: horse and camel, the entire trip for a hundred Egyptian dollars. So we're going, we're going, we get accosted by a boy, we get to drink, we pay him. He said he was going to bring us back to the point where we were. So number one, that didn't happen. We still had to figure out how to get back out of the pyramids when the cops came to, to shut it down. <laughs> but secondly, this Bama tried to say that he said it was, a hundred Egyptian dollars per per creature, and then he tried to say, "Oh, well, it took about an hour, so I'm trying to raise the price to something else." See, first it was two hundred. First he wanted to double it to two hundred. Then he wants to be like, "Okay, just one fifty. And I'm like, "No, you said one hundred. I mean, I lost it then. I was like, "Dude." <laughs> And you need to be charging these white folks this price. This is my stuff. You ain't going to be charging me these crazy prices. And we agree to something else? You can play these games with these white folks. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to us. But he, he wasn't hearing none of that. He didn't get any extra money out of us. And he walked away pissed or whatever or fake pissed or whatever. But I was livid. But I ain't done yet. <laughs> so the, the the cab ride was BS. The 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 gatekeeper was BS. Going into the tomb, that experience was BS. Walk the 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 the, 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 the seeing all the pyramids, taking the pictures and all that with the camel and horse, that was BS. The next nail is so at the end, when you're right in front of the horror market or what they call the Sphinx, there's a row of vendors there, more damn Arabs, who, you know, are selling all these different types of, 
Egyptian products. You know, pens and and sculptures and all sorts of stuff. So again, we are in Cairo, Egypt, in front of the Hormakit, in front of all the pyramids, and these vendors, there was like 10 of them there, I was looking for something representing Tahuti. I even said Thoft. Not one of them, not only did not any of them have anything Tahuti, none of them knew who the hell he was. Again, when you're a custodian of somebody else's stuff versus when it's your stuff, there is a chasm, a valley of difference. Not one vendor there knew who the hell Tahuti or the Greek misnamed Soft was. The closest thing that somebody tried to come up with, because when I finally, I was like, okay, he was the god of writing. And so somebody brought me the um, Sesh scribe um, statue, and he tried to tell me that was the hootie. <laughs> I laughed in his damn face. You know, the iconic Sesh scribe, you know, he's sitting down in the lotus position and whatnot. He was trying to tell me that that was Tahuti's statue, and you should get that. Not one of these Bamas even knew who Tahuti and Thoth was. That I I was just blown. I'm like, how are you going to be here in the stuff and not even know? But then I was like, oh. Yeah, y'all are invaders Y'all are foreigners Y'all don't know this, so okay But then don't lie I like the other nine people That was just like, yeah, okay We don't know what you're talking about, we ain't got it Don't come lie, oh, oh, here you go, here you go You're a dumb American tourist You don't know anything No, 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 no And then, to end (laughs) When I think The, um the, the visitors' hours were over at like five or six or something, and they have you know the police that come and escort everybody out, armed and everything. So base, I mean, so the experience of being in the space of the pyramids, of the horror market, of the Tekkenu was magnificent was lovely seeing, you know, the the, the boat that, that we made to the sail. Probably one of the first boats, you know <clears throat> ever and all that sort of stuff. Being there was good. But those damn Arabs just solely, wholly messed up the, the 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 complete depth of the experience that you could have, and again, I don't know what connections Ashra got, 
but how he gets around them, or maybe he, he, he knows some of them, so they're able to, you know, help him navigate those Arab shark-infested waters, I don't know. But I don't know how he do it. But I left that experience saying, if this right here is the totality of the African experience, I'm going to have to recalibrate everything I ever thought about Africa. But happily, <laughs> when I went to Sudan, um, it, it, it saved stuff. But now I'm, I'm bouncing around here. So, so yeah, I got to the damn Arabs and their lying ways. Airport checks got that. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Cell phones and internet. When we were in Cairo, my cheap cricket phone was reduced to a camera <laughs> and reduced to, you know, playing music and stuff like that. No cell service, no internet service, just period. Wifey's iPhone in Cairo was able to work after she changed a few settings. Um, yeah, it was able to work limited capability um, after she changed a few settings. The key thing that you have to have with your phone, whatever type of phone you got, like I said, I got a, you know, a Samsung Galaxy amp, you know, not that expensive or whatever on the, the um, Cricket um, service. If you're traveling internationally, you have to, have to, have to get your phone unlocked. You got to get your phone unlocked because once you get your phone unlocked, then you can use SIM cards from the area that you're in. And so, again, I really wish I would have known this ahead of time. Also, <clears throat> oh, yeah, I didn't even write this down. I'm glad I remembered it. So, one, you want to get your phone unlocked so you can use it internationally. Second, you do want to get a VPN if you're international. Now, yes, for safety, you know, for encryption and folks, you know, can't follow your actions and other stuff like that. But also what we found out is that especially in Sudan, because Sudan and the U.S. got, US got sanctions on Sudan, a lot of apps, and certain things on the phone you couldn't even access because you're in Sudan. And once the phone registers that you're in Sudan, you're in another country, and that particular country is sanctioned against the U.S., so you can't even use those damn apps. And I wish I would have known that ahead of time <laughs> so I could have got a VPN, and then the VPN would have registered me as international, and then, or I could have used it to say that I was in the U.S. Right, there, that's what I meant to say. If you're in, in 
in international space, you could get a VPN that's r- rooted, that's in the U.S., so then you can have access to the U.S. stuff. I think it's called GeoLock. That's the name. Certain geography, in certain geographical locations, you can't use certain things. But if you've got VPN, then your IP address will act like you're in that area, so they'll think you're in the area, so then you can use the stuff. Man, I wish somebody would have told me that, or I would have came across that beforehand. That would have saved me a lot of grief. So, yeah, phone unlocked and use a VPN so you can still get access to some to American sites and stuff. Because if, you can get to Yahoo, but all the Yahoo stuff will be in Arabic. You know, <laughs> you can you can get to to Facebook, but some of the some of the stuff might be in you know. So that that was over, especially Yahoo. That was real bad. I could barely navigate it. I was able to after a while, but that took a minute. Mac Mac Hoob, M A K H O U B dot. Yahoo.com, something like that. That's that's how it was, and so yeah. So the now as far as being able to get a SIM card, that was pretty easy. Then it's just about figuring out, you know, which plan you want. If you want to be able to watch, if if you just want to make calls and you're not planning on watching videos or nothing like that, then you can get the cheaper one. If you if you know you're going to watch a lot of videos, doing a lot of streaming and stuff, then you can get the um, a bigger package. Um, the two big ones, especially in Cairo, was um, Vodafone and Eddie Salat, E-T-I-S-A-L-A-T. And it's like you can't miss them because there's at least three, on two at least on every block. And I'm not exaggerating there. That was another weird, crazy experience in both Cairo and Sudan. You will see businesses duplicated on the same block. And I didn't understand that at first. It took me a minute, and I'll tell you what, what it is in a minute. But literally, like, we <clears throat> we were – this is one time we was in Sudan – and wifey was getting the money exchange. And that's another thing on the list, money exchange. But we was getting the money exchange. And so she's in the line doing that, and I'm outside looking at stuff. And I had noticed there was an LG store, and then next to it there was a Sony store. And then there was, you know, a few other stores, a few other stores. And then right across the street there was in another exact Sony store and an exact LG store. And, and I kept seeing that sort of pattern going on, like especially electronics and 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 a few other things. Within the same block, you see the same businesses. And I was like, what is going on there? Well, why, why is that? The answer I came up with is, again, haggling. Because, of course, each area don't have, each business didn't have the exact same items. A majority of the same stuff, but not the exact same stuff. But haggling is so big in African culture and even, I guess, in Arab culture. You could go into one store, ask for something, 
get the price, try to haggle the price. If it don't sound good to you, then you can leave that place. Walk halfway down the block to the same exact store, you know, (coughs) another LG store on the same block, and haggle with that person and may be able to, and if they have your item, may be able to get it for the price that you tried to haggle them from. But if not, then you go out, go down, you know, another half a block to another LG store and try it over again. So the haggling is just so big in the culture that businesses literally are are reduplicating themselves over and over and over again. Now, I'm sure it all still goes into the LG or the Sony or whatever the business coffers is, but you just don't see that in the United States. You know, it's like we tripping if if a Walmart and a Target are too close. It's like, well, you got to have them both that close together (laughs) in the same area. That don't make sense. But this is literally, I'm talking, on the same block or across the street from each other, duplicated. But that's the only thing that I was able to come up with. Haggling is so big in the culture. You don't like the prices in one place. You just walk down go to another one. Walk down go to another one. And you're not too inconvenienced because they're on the same block or, or within three block radius or across the street from each other like that. So that was real, real interesting. Um, currency exchange in both Cairo and Egypt, yeah, Cairo and Sudan, you have your legitimate currency exchange places. And you go online and see what the current rate is and exchange your U.S. dollars or whatever for that particular currency. Boom, boom, boom. However, if you drop the phone, sorry about that. However, if you want more bang for your buck, you want to go the black market route. Black market prices are always more than the quote-unquote legitimate exchange rates. I think when we were there, the exchange rate was $1. Um, would get you like 1800 1800 maybe, of that particular currency. On their, their black market, one, it gets you like two, two grand. You know, it was, it was, it, it wasn't, it won't be double. But if it was, if the legitimate was eighteen hundred, then then the, the 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 black market would be like two thousand, maybe even go up to twenty two hundred. You know, so that's the way to go to get the biggest exchange for your money. However, <laughs> specifically when we was in Egypt, we was in Cairo getting money. We went to some shady back 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 area, and there was two guys. You know, I'm sure they was armed, standing next to them at the door and stuff like that. And happily, you know, the folks that we knew, you know, knew them and all that. 
because I'm sure either I'm sure nefarious stuff be happening both ways, whether folks trying to jack the exchanger or the exchanger trying to jack the person giving the American money. So I would not advise people going into back rooms and buildings doing it alone by yourself if you don't, you know, if you're just asking, you know, as as some timid American or whatever, whatnot. For something like that, you definitely need a local person to do it for you and or with you. Um, But they also had folks all out on the streets. If you knew certain areas, I think there was one area called Freedom Hall or Freedom Plaza or something like that. You you walk past or drive past there, you've got eight different people with wads of of Egyptian money in their hands to let it be known that, hey, I, I can exchange money for you. Here, come talk to me. But I'm saying they're all next to each other, these eight people with these big wads of money all next to each other. <laughs> Competing for you to exchange the money with them So, you know, they try to do this rate or that rate or whatever whatnot. But just standing all out with all that money That was interesting dynamic And then we was in Sudan one time And we wanted to, we had to make a big exchange Like, yeah, we had went I just mentioned We had went and tried to get it We got half of it The wife had got half of it through the the legitimate currency route, but then the rest of it we we got from the quote unquote black market, which of course was more, and we're talking large amounts of money was being exchanged all out in this open courtyard, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, are we about to go somewhere and do this? y'all gonna do this right here? all this money. <laughs> And they just count it off And I'm just looking around like oh my god Oh my god And so again this is the bad part Of my American socialization There was two experiences And this was one And the other one was even worse Where my American socialization Was just all up In everything And it didn't have to be But I was operating on American autopilot and it was like it was freaking me out. So this was one where literally it was you know it was daytime, but it was still an open courtyard, and we're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars being exchanged, American dollars, and then the um, Sudanese currency, wads of money. I mean stacks, and we're just exchanging it all out in the open. And I'm just like, oh, my God, we about to get robbed. We're in another country. It ain't going to make it home. And I still got books to write and more babies to make. And I'm about to die. <laughs> it was None of that happened. It went on without a hitch. But I was freaking out. But the, 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 but the, the message <laughs> outside of me freaking out is, if you want the best exchange for your U.S. currency, you want to befriend someone who then knows where you can get underground exchange rates, which will always be more 
than the um, quote-unquote legitimate currency exchanges. But I do not advise you to do it on your own, especially if you got to go in a building somewhere. If you were out at that plaza where all those other people were doing the money, okay, you could probably do it there. But don't don't go into nobody's building saying, oh, I got 800 U.S. I want to exchange it for whatever, whatever. You might not make it out of that place. For real. For real. Especially in Cairo. Again, Sudan was a lot more laid back and, and, and a lot more African. So, so Sudan might be a bit better, but you definitely don't want to do that in Cairo. Those Arabs will jump your ass. Hospitality In Cairo there was none No damn Arabs None Rude Mean Changing prices Just no Sudan Felt like The Africa that I had read The Africa that I had watched The Africa that I had That that I had been talking about For the past You know 20-25 years Whatever whatnot. Even though it's it's yeah, there we go. Cairo is direct rule. The Arabs are there in your face. You see them, experience it, and you know Islam and Arabism and all that stuff is there. But direct rule is the invaders are still physically there. Sudan is indirect rule. So throughout the two weeks we was in Sudan, I may have seen 20, 20 Arabs and maybe 15 white folks the whole time. So just, everybody else was black. So just that alone, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> Get the wave of these damn crackers. Woo! Just on that physical felt wonderful. But Sudan is, you know, predominant majority um, Islam, Islam, Islam. Um, And so you got to suck it up and deal with that. But the people, the people Still got Africa fully wrapped in their hearts. Warm, hospitable, friendly, nice, helpful. I mean, I, all those synonyms that I can think of and more, and some I can't think of, were exhibited when I was in Sudan. I really liked Sudan outside of the heat. <laughs> Ooh, outside of that heat I didn't mind it I did not mind Sudan um, So I, I mentioned there was two times My American socialization kicked in And I mentioned the first one The second one Me and, and, and our family Her, you know, brothers and wives And other a few other folks We had all we're getting back from an, 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 an event. And we're talking like 2 in the morning. Well, 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 let me start here. 
going to the event, we ran into a hole. Like, literally, there was a hole in the ground. It was dark. We didn't see it. The car, boom. So, of course, we get out the car and trying to figure out what's going on. In under 10 minutes, there was five people over there helping us get the car out the ditch. I mean, you know, pulling, pushing, whatever they could try to do. I mean, just the way, I mean, we didn't even ask. Or or I think we asked, no, no. Like one person, oh, what happened? And then in in him and in her and my brother in law, her brother explaining what happened and other folks here and then other folks come over and help him. And and boom, quickly got the car out that hole. And then, you know, they, they dissipated and, and left. No, you know, hey, can you break me off a little something, something? Like let me compare it to this. Just really was Friday, <laughs> Thursday, my car stopped. And two guys came over and they tried to jump it, you know, and they, they was playing around with the battery. And every other every other five minutes out their mouth. Yeah, you know, man, if we can get your car started, you know, can you can you break me off a little something? Can you help us out, help you out? Over and over and over again. Here, U.S., black, black movie, black folks, just this week. When we was in Sudan, when, this, when the car went into the ditch, not one of the person, one of the people asked for anything. Hospitable, friendly, caring. Here's another example. So we're in Sudan, and for almost the entire Sudan trip, part of the trip, my daughter was sick, and that was very mentally taxing on me. And so we were in the cab going somewhere, and she um, she threw up a little bit. And so the, 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 the Sudanese cab driver noticed it, and he pulled over somewhere and stopped. He got some water. He got some napkins. And we cleaned up, you know, cleaned up everything, and she was fine. So we get to our destination, and I gave him five Sudanese dollars. That's not what it's called. I just can't remember the name. I gave him five Sudanese dollars extra to say thank you for, you know, getting the water and getting the napkins because you didn't have to do that, but you did, and so I'm just showing gratitude and appreciation for that. He said, I gave him too much, tried to give it back, and almost got offended that I gave him something extra for that. He almost got offended for me giving him some extra money because he helped us out even without us asking. Notice the difference. <laughs> now, I went ahead and made him take it, so he didn't take it. But he got offended from me giving him extra money to say thank you for something he didn't have to do. 
That is practically unheard of in any corner of the United States of America. I don't give a damn where you are. Folks over here want money even if they didn't do stuff. (laughs) But so that same day, so the car got in the ditch. They got us out. We go to the event. We leave the event. We're driving, and then a tire blew out. And ironically enough, it wasn't a tire that fell into the hole. It was a a whole different tire blew on us, two in the morning. We're like, holy crap, what's about to happen? And the tires, so we're changing the tire. And, you know, it's got the the screws. It's got four screws. Two of the four screws broke off, so you couldn't even put the lug on them. So a guy stops, and and he helps us, and he, he, he had a better jack and better tools, and and that he said he just bought that day. That was so funny. He just bought it that day, and and he just happened <laughs> to be on the road when we were stopped and stuck, and, and he helped us. And so there was the there was like I say a, a quite a bit of us all in this one car, and two of the four screws of the tire broke, so we were able to get the tire back on, but it still wasn't fully secure because it was only two instead of the full four. And so the full weight of all of us wouldn't have been safe enough to be in that particular car. So the guy who stopped to help then offered to drive the rest of us home. So my brother-in-law and who else, I think, one of his daughters or somebody else, but two of the people got into the original car and slowly proceeded back home. Myself, my wife, my child, and, and I think his wife and one other person all get into this SUV of this person in Sudan that we don't know, ain't never seen, ain't never met, and he is going to drive us home. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it, but, yeah, my American socialization kicked in, and, you know, I'm looking around like, okay, Um, Where is he going to take us? Is he going to take us somewhere and jack us all? And then he had another guy up up in the passenger seat that that come to find out he just met (laughs) that night or that week also. So we got two folks in the front that we don't know, and we are basically at the mercy of them to take us home safely. He was basically on E. He didn't even even reach back and ask 
us for any money. He put like another dollar or so in just to raise it up off the E long enough to get us back home. I asked my wife, I was like, can't I give him something? She was like, no, he will be offended if you even if you even suggest to give him something. So long story short, because I'm looking at the time, I got 15 minutes left. Um, long story short, we made it back home. Old boy did not ask for anything. Not a dime. And the fact that he would have been offended if I would have even offered would not have happened anywhere in any stretch of any place on this place we call the United States of America. I am embarrassed at myself that my Africanness didn't kick in so long so I could calm down and just be like, I know we're going to be safe, you know, where it's, it's a brother here, he's going to look out for us, all of that. No, I was all on this, something's going to happen, this is this is wild. Let me be on, on, on the P's and Q's of the P's and Q's type of, type of mentality. And I didn't have to be. And I didn't have to be. Sudan was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Hospitable, nice, friendly, um, looking out for you. It, it was just phenomenal. I mean, even in the even with her family where we were staying, you know, we we had to sneak. And, and, and give give them some money so they could buy you know more food and stuff. And they had a whole bunch of whole bunch of kids. <laughs> but every day, we we were fed well. We were fed often. <laughs> Sometimes we were fed under distress. <laughs> that that was another thing. I ain't even gonna go into that. But it, it, it was just wonderful everywhere we went because we went out to even some rural areas where. Like like where where they ain't got the paved roads and stuff. Everybody offering drink, offering some food if they had it, and and offering warm hospitality. Everybody. Everybody. And they get mad if you don't eat or don't drink. <laughs> um They got in, in Sudan. There's a whole bunch of different types of um. They 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 had different modes of transportation. First of all, also, if you're thinking about driving out there personally, automatics are virtually non-existent. If you want to drive in Sudan, if you want to drive in Cairo, those are the only two places I can speak of. You got to learn how to drive a stick. If you don't know how to drive a stick. You you got to have a lot of money so you can import your automatic <laughs> transmission car to the place where you're going to be at. Um, so they got the rickshaws, what I call the motorized three wheels of death. Oh, my God, those were so dangerous. You know, the open doors, and I guess India and Africa got big deals going on. 
And so that's why rickshaws are just everywhere. But motorized three wheels of death, those, oh, my God. Minivans, city buses, taxis, um, the occasional bicycle. You'll see horses and donkeys, and that would be so wild. So you driving you on the freeway, <laughs> quote unquote freeway. You're wondering why is traffic so slow? It's because there's a donkey <laughs> transporting some stuff up in front of you, and that's stopping traffic. So seeing horses and donkeys carrying stuff on the street is regular, no big deal. And when you're walking, you got to make sure you don't step into their poop. And this ain't no American. Oh, clean up after you. No. <laughs> Those horses are pooping and moving on, and you just make sure you don't step in it. Um, There's a whole bunch of brands and stuff that of cars that they don't even make over here, that that, that only exist outside of the U.S. Like there was um, one called Skoda, S-K-O-D-A. A big one, a big car brand was Jerry, I think, or Jerry, G-E-E-R-Y. And and there was a whole bunch of other ones, but um, that that, that was just, you know, interesting observations. Um, But, yeah, that's in Cairo and Sudan, those different modes of transport. Um, Oh, I forgot motorcycles. Yeah, motorcycles, the occasional bicycle, uh, but rickshaws. Those motorized three wheels of death, (laughs) those were um, heavy, 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 especially in Sudan, heavy in Sudan. Um, Speaking of Sudan, the area that that we were in, um, and I, the, if you go to the show page and you see the map of Sudan, the Omburduran, I think I'm pronouncing that right, or something like that. That particular area, that's where we stayed in the, the the majority of the time. And I'm bringing it up because when Sudan was fighting the British, it was that area which was the um, area of highest resistance against them. And again, hopefully. This deep scan will save some of these pictures <laughs> on on my computer post crash, but there are certain mounds that 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 the soldiers were were hide in. They're like just like mounds of dirt with holes in them, big enough for you know to peek your head in, out and stick your gun out and shoot. And so this whole area that we was traveling in the majority of the time I was in Sudan has the legacy of being the highest area of resistance against the British. And so, you know, a lot of folks were proud about that, and, and you know, they would sell pictures of the mounds where the soldiers would be fighting them at, and you could get sculptures of them and stuff like that. And, and you know, if I had been able to spend more time there, I would have definitely wanted to peel back that layer and, See, you know, get more information about the resistance and who are the people fighting, who are the people, you know, doing the fighting and stuff like that. And so that was that was just cool to be a part of that and and experiencing that. Um, one other thing that I forgot 
from all the way back. Going into these countries, they're going to have some of them just have entrance fees. Sudan, again, since they were sanctions with the U.S., they have entrance and exit fees. So if I remember right, for Egypt to stamp your passport for you to get into the country, you got to give them another fifteen bucks, fifteen or twenty. Sudan, especially if you're a U.S. passport holder, their entrance and exit fee was $150, 75 both. You can't get around it. If you ain't got it, they'll probably throw you in jail. You can't leave the country if you don't pay that. that. You can't enter it if you don't pay it. And once you get in, you better have it to get out. Or they're a three button jail. Or or <laughs> dot dot dot. But yeah. So so that was another piece. And that one I probably could have found out if I did more due diligence looking up stuff online, but I didn't know that, you know, until wifey <laughs> told me we going through the lines like, Oh yeah, you gotta pay the money for us to go. I was like, What? <laughs> you gotta pay an entrance fee, an entrance fee, huh? And if we had time I would have talked about There was Egypt And Sudan Are in are Constant rivals with each other And for some reason There was this one When we were leaving Sudan Come back to Cairo Our particular flight And I'm still to this day saying it was just that flight It wasn't every flight that came in they made us fill out some ad hoc um, medical health questionnaire, whatever, whatever. And it, it was total BS, and it was crazy. And we just rationalized that as Egypt don't like Sudan, and so they going to make it a bit harder for um, folks coming from Sudan into Egypt. But that was some BS, but I don't want to ramble now. I think I've said, I'm sure I forgot some stuff, but. Oh, it was also cool to see some live soccer games. Um, my brother in law, wife's brother, is heavy into soccer, and so I got to see. Um, um, Sudan and was it Nigeria? It was a big game. We're talking. Oh man, I am blanking. That is so bad. But when it happens, again, go back to Face A book. I talked about it. Getting caught up into the whole soccer game with the stadium field and rocking and stuff. If you know, if you've been to a sporting event that's full and stuff. But I think this is a, a bit extra because continental Africans are supremely passionate about soccer. Soccer is definitely a worldwide sport, minus the U.S. <laughs> U.S. just can't get into soccer with that type of passion um, that the rest of the world does. And Sudan loves them, they people. And happily they won, so it was a good game. And 
it was they were able to move on to the next round of the cup and stuff like that. But that was just fun. So <clears throat> to end, be prepared for a lot of airport checkpoints. Be prepared to go through um, different um, checks and be anything that you really, really want to keep. You may want to put it in the <coughs> in the um, in your suitcase and send it underneath because if it's got to go through the check, then the the checkers get real arbitrary and funky about what they would and wouldn't let in. And I still say they wanted my expensive lighter, and that's why those bastards took it. But um, so be prepared for that. If especially if you're going to an Arab country. You want to have somebody that speaks Arabic. Be prepared for those damn Arabs to lie to you and try to jack up the prices when you go to Cairo. Make sure that you, when you travel, you have your phone unlocked, and then you get a SIM card. Oh, oh, damn, I forgot about that. Even with the SIM card also, in in Sudan, you have to have a physical address there even to get a SIM card. So luckily we were able to get her other brother-in-law to get us that card so we could use our phones in Sudan. I was able to use mine. She was able to use hers. <coughs> and then in, in, in Egypt, in Cairo, it was just about money and your, your American passport. They didn't care if you lived there or not. It was just, hey, boom, whatever, just give us the money. But Get, have, getting the SIM card so you can do it. And that, oh, that's something. Um, getting your phone unlocked and getting a VPN so you can still get access to some of the American um, information on the Internet in English versus, you know, doing it all in, in Arabic, which I, I, I had to do there because I didn't remember or I didn't know about using the VPN until after the fact. So I'm telling you now, so when you travel, and if you go in there, get a VPN. Um, and so, yeah, so I'll shut up there. That's the nuts and bolts of the Africa trip. Don't forget, Saturday, August 26th at 2 o'clock at abb2mikasa.com, I will be on talking about how to make a Negro Christian, and we'll have more information when we get everything else situated with that. This Saturday, 2 o'clock, abb2mikasa.com. Um, so that's it. Until next time, Abibi Fahodier, Total African Liberation. No people can be spiritually, politically, or psychologically free when they worship an image of God assigned to them by another people. The new revolution in Africa that will usher in real independence will start when Africans begin to look